don't cut it no more. Want a great big pipe? Well, Richard, here we are at the launch. And it's at a big room, at least. Yeah, it's a huge room. We're actually in the vendor space right now. We just walked in. Uh, just got here. There's still some sessions going on. We'll probably have some cocktails probably in an hour or so. And you know, I kind of kind of interesting that they've connected Rock and .NET. I mean, who would have thought of such a thing, .NET and Rock? Not me. I, I have no idea. It's, this is completely ahead of its time as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And look who it is, Kate Gregory. My favorite Canadian RD. Uh, you're my favorite Canadian RD. How are you? I'm good. So all of our fans want to know, are you still a device for converting caffeine into code? I am. Wow. You haven't <laughs> shaken that habit? Great, great, great quote. What have you been doing these days, Kate? I just got back from TechEd South Africa. Wow. I was home for like a week and then I came here. Who else went there? Julie Lerman went with you, right? Julie Lerman went with me. Did you guys me. get in uh, any fun while you were down in South Africa? Oh, yes, indeed. You were going to say trouble, weren't you? No, I wouldn't say that. Were you guys getting any trouble? I knew that's what you were thinking. <laughs> I knew it. We managed not to get eaten by any lions. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Always bring home as many developers as you took out with you. And all the limbs, too. Yes. Take account of the limbs. Make sure the same never come back. Yep. So is it a big crowd? They have about 1,500 people. Very young. Wow. Very enthusiastic. It was a total blast. Excellent. What's happening in South Africa technology-wise, or well, industry-wise, maybe? The same sort of things that are happening here, mm -hmm. but it's a younger industry. So they have less legacy, less kind of stuff hanging around oh, their necks from it's before. it's a benefit, actually. Yeah, they're kind of starting in green fields, and they're like, wow, there's a process we could automate. How's the open source versus everybody else battle? It's uh, still the same as it is here, but it's, it doesn't have 10 years of entrenchment. It has like two years of entrenchment. Right, right. Still the universities anchoring one side and business anchoring the other? There's a lot of students who are heavily into .NET. They have Isn't a huge, huge presence there. Well, what about you uh, back home? What, what are you working on? I'm uh, just putting the wraps on a big uh, VB.NET 2003 ASP.NET site. It's finally going into production just as 2005 launches. <laughs> <laughs> That's enterprise customers. And I bet you're working on the Canadian launches, too. I am. I've got some presence in some of the Canadian cities. Very yes. nice. Yeah. What, uh, what events are you going to be at? It's looking like uh, Lethbridge, Kelowna, and Regina. Excellent. Yeah, great big population centers. Yeah, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Those are not the biggest cities in Canada. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's give some comparable cities in America. Podunk. Arma. <laughs> <laughs> Only colder. Okay, <laughs> it's great catching up with you. See you guys soon. All right, bye-bye. Next person we found is Edward Yazerski. Did I say that right? I think you did. All right. And you're on the PAG group? Yes, I'm an architect in the Patterns and Practices group, which used to be called PAG. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, okay, I'm sorry. Didn't know the official title had changed. Isn't PAG sort of just like a friendly name for it? or? It used to be the internal acronym for the group. It used yeah. to be Prescriptive Architecture Guidance. Oh, okay. Then we did, you know, Microsoft reorganizes us internally all the time. Right. We renamed it to a Platform Architecture Group. You know, so you can keep all your material with the same acronym. Okay. Which was seems as a very smart move. And um, but then we decided this is just done. We should have uh, our internal name be the same as our publicly known name. And we just decided on patterns and practices because that's what we do. 
So tell me what a day for you is like then, patterns and practices. A day for me, that's a good question. Um, actually, a lot of people on my team are wondering this, so maybe they get to see this. Um, it's a testimonial here. So usually uh, it starts really early. Um, I go to the office really early with my girlfriend. Uh, she's a doctor and goes in and I go in with her. Um, so I start by checking some emails if there was anything coming in from our test teams in India or our development teams in the UK um, in terms of like, bugs or notifications about documents. And right now I'm working on a couple of application blocks and enterprise library. So I'll skew that. Usually in the morning, and also our developers show up. We work in a shared space in a war room. We do a lot of agile methodology um, and approaches to development. So we like sharing our, our common space where the whole project team, you know, architecture, dev, test, program manager is sitting together and we get to collaborate and you know, work together in the project. I imagine that you must have a lot of input to process. Right? I mean, it's sort of the, the patterns and practices group is representing sort of the best of architectures of what's happening in the real world, the best way to do things. And those things, I imagine, change over time, especially coming from your customers, coming from the community. You, are you guys aggregating blogs and reading them? Do you have people doing that and, and getting that information back into the process? Well, in the, the process of developing the product? Sure. So I would say our... our Guys tend to be very connected with the outside community. We have, um, you know, people. We like going to Code Camp. We like uh, giving talks there. We're very, you know, blog oriented. Um, you know, most of our the people we work with, contract wise, are not Microsoft uh, employees. Yeah. Are either MVPs or you know, or people who are known in the community. Sure. Um, in different communities like MVPs or patterns, you know, communities and other different. But communities. apart from you guys going and speaking, are you reading um, other people's blogs and seeing oh, what they're absolutely. saying? About no, we aggregate all the time. We yeah. see when people blog about our stuff, and then we get gather around a screen and start discussing. You know, hey, why did he say that? Or let's try to figure him out. Just send him an email, and right. we really use a community as a two-way input. You know, sometimes they're just crazy. No, actually... <laughs> oh, come on. You know what? Whenever sometimes, but you really you, have to investigate Whenever you catch yourself saying, you know, this community guy is just crazy, you have to really look into the background of what is going on, right? There's always more. There's always more to it, Something right? you didn't understand, yeah. Um, no, because sometimes, well, if somebody doesn't understand something, understanding is a two-way thing. So sure. if we do something, somebody doesn't understand it, it's, I think it's our fault. Yeah. So, it's certainly an opportunity for you to explain something more effectively. Absolutely. You or know, to define find, our target audience better. The thing I find fascinating is that patterns and practices, off the, off the top of your head you think, oh, these guys generate documentation on right ways. But you've got a huge amount of code behind you as well. You're demonstrating right ways by building examples. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And actually, that's been a trend. We started off by writing mostly documentation, security guides, performance guides, right. and so on. And then we saw that actually expressing the guidance as code not only makes it easier for people to adopt, who may not even know the background practice, but also makes it easier to disseminate. So you see a much bigger investment in application blocks, and then things like enterprise library, in toolkits to build certain types of applications, and also in uh, tool extensions, like the guidance automation toolkit, so that you can author your own automated things in Visual Studio for your own practices of development. Now, would you go so far as to say you should always be using the application blocks? Or are there situations in which they don't apply? I mean... I don't believe in OSFA, one size fits all. Yep. And um, I do think that every time you got to look at your requirements and you got to look at your context and understand what's going on. That said, the blocks were built with input from many, many, many customers over the course of many years. Yeah. And uh, we tend to have a strong consideration of what is a common denominator in this context. So 
I wouldn't necessarily say you should always use the blocks, but I should say that definitely in every you project you should evaluate yes. them. Right? You certainly put the cycles into understanding what they can do for you. Well, yes. I mean, you have to look where you put your effort. I mean, is it writing the next data access helper, or is it is there something more useful or more fun right. I could be using with, doing with my time? Less infrastructure code is good. Yes. So how are you finding uh, adoption of the enterprise libraries going? Well, I, it's going up ter- terribly fast. Um, I just have, was looking today at a chart of our downloads and starting with a couple hundred thousand, actually a couple of tens of thousands into thousand. Now we're over two million downloads of stuff wow. a, a year. And the enterprise library in itself has had more than, um, you know, I would say 150,000 downloads um, since we started, which is a lot. That is but a lot. We, we have a lot of trouble, though, and we'd love people's input on this, is... Um, how do we measure the adoption? So it's very easy to measure whether somebody downloaded it. We would like to know more about which people did actually end up right. using it and how and when. Because, of course, there's more than one way to use this, too. You could use it as a model and write your own code. You could embed the code directly. Or There's a fairly significant risk here that people look at something and then don't use it. Or you could just use pieces of it. You could just take one piece or two pieces or whatever. Exactly. Now, yeah. we consider those all successful good use cases. I mean, you'll smart, you'll do whatever um, is better for you. We would just like to know, you know, 10% of the people just look at the code and then create their own based on the same concepts. We would love to know that, right, and get that smart because it means that there's a 10% audience that we could maybe support better. Does the Patents and Practices group have a forum or a blog where other people can contribute and discuss and talk to your team directly? Or are there just individual team member blogs? Well, we got the whole gamut. We got the individual team member blogs. Then we got our God.net patterns and practices communities and workspaces. Okay. Is there an easy way to go to a URL? Go to, to Microsoft.com slash practices. And from there, you can navigate to each workspace. So, for example, in the cab workspace, we've got over 5,000 members discussing cab, building extensions, doing their own thing and in in, in helping each other use the asset. And it's really self-sustaining. Cab. Enterprise Library has over 7,000 people. Yeah, I mentioned CAB. CAB is um, the Composite UI Application Block. Okay. It's a uh, application block. is a framework for smart client development when you're doing really complex, large uh, clients that have to integrate many parts, kind of like in Portal, talking to each other. So is this uh, an extension or another sort of idea of the, of the user interface uh what was the user interface? Blo- there was a user interface process there was two application. Of them. Process, yeah, the process right. user interface. No, this is different. Um, okay. We really looked at smart clients, uh, customers were building, looked okay. at you know what were the key requirements and the core patterns that they were doing, and provided some infrastructure around that. Yeah, you could if you were using UIP, you could um, user take that process. UIP based stuff, uh, user interface process. Um, block and take the design patterns I use in there inside a cab application. Okay. But a cab app uh, really provides much more um, richer and a more comprehensive programming model around Has the feedback clients. been good from the cab? The satisfaction has been incredibly high. We have a community of 5,000 people. We haven't even released it yet. We're releasing it wow. in 48 hours, more or less. And um, we've been having out the typical patterns and practices stuff, you know, frequent community releases, chats with the community around design and changing the APIs. Um, but people have been really engaging. And I think this is um, both a statement of how important the area is in problem domain, but I think also the team, we've been very um, conscientious about applying community input and involving community throughout our life cycle. 
And the community just feels that, you know, they go like, wow, I see my input has an effect on the result. I'll yeah. engage more. I'll tell my buddies. And, this is the um, thing I tell people everywhere I speak to. You know, you, Microsoft is a, one of these companies, especially transparency throughout the blogs, but not just so that you can view in, but so that you can in, have input. Right. So in, you mentioned uh, transparency, and we ask for input everywhere. Right. Are we targeting the right problem space? Are our priorities right? We've yeah. been published out all our unit tests and all our test criteria. Yeah. And people give input on that. And if people say, let's like, say your performance bars are too low and you need to up this or change this, We'll actually take that input as well. So we're really letting the community drive the engineering. Mm. We're doing the coding itself. But that is not the insightful part. The insightful part is understanding the requirements. And we just like full disclosure on all of that. And the end result is great software. Well, I think it is. And it's both because of the engineering team being good, our devs, you know, and being good at agile and, you know, being good at thinking about quality throughout the life cycle. But also because the community keeps us honest and we give them a chance to keep us honest in that sense. Right. Hey, it's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope it hasn't been too fast. No, no, it's been great. It's all good. Thanks very much. Thank you. All right. Good luck. So we've run into Chris Menegay. Did it hurt, Chris? Did what hurt? When we ran into you? Uh, A little bit. All right. You're a big guy. Yeah. You're Mr. Team System here. I try to be. So what did you just got done doing a cabana here? Is doing a cabana on deploying team system. But, okay. You know, the conversation always ends up turning into licensing and pricing, but it actually started out pretty good as far as asking how do I deploy it, what features are on the server, what's available. So it's good stuff. And there's a piece that's not shipped yet, too. I mean, just yeah. it's Well, launched. Team Foundation Server, which is the hard part to deploy, right, is not released. It is in currently a beta 3 refresh. Right. Do we have a date for when it's going to come it's free? Qu- quarter one next year is the current slated date for it. And so then that gives them four months from now. Yes, but you can use the go-live license for Beta 3 Refresh. There is right. a go-live license available today, and there will be a migration utility so you can actually track all your history, bring over your work items, bring over your source code control. Good timing, wasn't it? Well, that slamming sound you hear is the kick drum. Cheap Trick is right above us, and they're, they're doing a sound checks on the drum set. And light checks. Right now. The lights are going out. I don't know. So, you've only got a few minutes. Somebody who is uh, in the team system, you know, is probably listening to this. What can you What can you tell us that we haven't heard before? Wow! What can I tell you that you haven't heard before? Well, the new thing has just been announced. If you haven't been keeping up with Brian Harry and his blog, and he was just here actually answering the scaling questions, the yeah. original design goals for Team System was on a dual dual server configuration with a four processor SQL box the target yeah. was 500 users yeah which you know for most development shops that's pretty That'll good cover it yeah what they're actually seeing is on a single dual processor box they're actually able to get to about 800 wow they, yeah so they boy that's a tough problem to have <laughs> yeah so they, they, they are obviously having some scaling things that they're discovering which is it will way outscale their original goal so they're looking that's at great. basically a factor of right now it sounds like tenfold because they were thinking they were going to get to about 50 users on a single box and they're at 800. So I've been out there telling wow. customers that if they had more than 50 people, they should get two boxes. And I feel like I told them bad things because they're spending a lot more money than they needed to <laughs> on hardware. So you found this out by, by reading whose blog? So Brian Harry, who's one of the uh, product managers for Team Foundation Server, okay. he's based in North Carolina. How do you spell he, him, his last uh, name? Harry, H-A-R-R-Y, like yeah, Harry Potter. There's four or five different ways to yes. spell Harry. So. Yeah. Um, so he, I mean, he's got a blog posting on it, but basically also updated us today as well that there okay. is, you know, new statistics out there just now load testing it right so they had design goals for team foundation server but they never actually tested that they just tried to design it so it would be performant and right. you know scale well and now they're actually testing against it and they're just blowing away all the numbers that is so cool 
Yeah, I'm waiting to see how many they can get on a dual server environment. Because right, the whole one of the big purposes for version two has been yeah. scaling for Windows sized teams or Microsoft sized teams, like three thousand developers on Office. Hmm. Um, and I'm real curious to see if you threw an eight processor box dual config, they might hit it with what they have today. Well, I'm wondering if the dual process, the dual server setup, might be enough to get to three thousand. That's, um, that's what I'm thinking. If you're getting eight hundred out of a single dual proc machine. That's not that big of a jump. Yeah, get an eight proc database because most of it's the database, right? SQL yeah, yeah. Server, they're pushing a lot of load onto SQL Server, so. But you're only talking a threefold increase to get there, yeah. fourfold increase fourfold to get there increase. from a single dual proc machine. And, and it's not a lot of hardware need to get there. No, not if you're just talking a dual proc right now. And that's yeah. the dual proc with four gig of RAM. Yeah. And we just saw those really big boxes in the keynote today, you know, those 32 processor things. So certainly that'll scale up to a team that size. For sure. <laughs> so for those who weren't here and didn't see the keynote, what did they do? So the, the keynote, basically, they had a little hardware dog and pony show with the uh, you know Unisys boxes and Fujitsu boxes and NEC boxes. So they just basically, you know, here's a 32 proc this box. Windows will scale. That, that type right. of normal story that we've, sure. we've kind of heard in the past. They're just trying to drive it home a little bit better. Right. Um, they showed a little bit of team system and basically some of the aspects of that. And then they had a full session that Doug Newman did on team system as well, which was actually a pretty good end-to-end demo of team system. So they did a, a demo running Foundation Server on this massive... No, they didn't. I oh, okay. wish they had. And that was All me right. theorizing that, you know, wouldn't it be great Wouldn't if, it be cool? Yeah, so if, if, if they were willing to give me one of those boxes <laughs> for about a year, I would do that prototype for them, right? I would put Team Foundation on there and do some load tests against it. But so now you're really involved in this kind of stuff. Are you writing a book on uh, Team System? I, am, I have not committed to a book to date. So I have been kicking it around, but just... Uh, my, my goal right now is actually helping people adopt Team System, and I've been a little bit tied up doing that to actually sit down and write a book. So. Right. But you do have a blog? I do have a blog, and every now and then I actually post something meaningful. Okay. Um, don't ask me the URL because I actually did some okay. Team System Rocks is so, where it's at. So other than Brian Harry, whose blogs are you reading these days? Um, well, the definitive Team System one is Rob Karen. Okay. Um, he basically is the aggregator for everything else that's going on with Team System. He cool. He goes out there and aggregates. And I also read the uh, Team System Rocks uh, homepage blog. So we've got a couple people. It's a, a site I helped set up, and we've got one or two guys that actually both contribute. And they just do human aggregation, right? They go yeah. point to other people's blogs right. so that I don't have to go keep up with all of them. Yeah, uh, the Scoble effect. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, have somebody manually go do it so I don't have to read all the RSS feeds. Because right. you know, I do subscribe to Brian Harry's, but I won't actually if read it. If you've never heard often. of Rob Karen, it's C-A-R-R-O-N, is it? Or? It's R-O-B-C-A-R-O-N. C-A-R-O-N. Okay. Yeah, and that, that is if you're just looking at Team System and trying to get a, you know, a foothold, Hit that and hit TeamSystemRocks.com, and that's pretty much going to lead you everywhere else you need to go. Awesome. Here's that voice of God again. Well, maybe before the thunderbolts come down, we ought to wrap this up. So you got any, uh, any, else, any, any other things you want to plug or talk no, about? No, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, I think everybody should take a look at Team System if they haven't yet, especially look at Team Foundation Server. Keep in mind the Go Live, so it is adoptable in Beta 3. You know? mm-hmm. And, of course, if you need any help, that's, you know, I'm, I'm the guy to talk to. All right, Chris. Thanks. All right, thanks. Bye. So who should we run into in the cheese line with Deb Carrada? Hi, Deb. Hi, how you doing? Doing well. We're anticipating having you on the show early next year. Excellent. Talk about objects and stuff and whatever else your evil little mind is cooking up. What are you doing these days? Oh, I am loving object binding. Yeah, I bet you are. Absolutely loving it. Having a wonderful time. Now, you know, seems to me we've heard this story before. Binding is back. It works great now. Go ahead and use it. You know, and every time it just doesn't quite live up to, you know, it gets better and better and better. What's different about it this time? 
I still am not completely convinced of direct data binding. Okay. But to bind to the business objects themselves where you're writing the business object and it yeah. is not co-genning massive quantities of code that you then still have to deal with. Right. Um, I think that's maybe the difference, that it's really binding to your stuff yep. and it's in your way that you want it as opposed to having it enforce what you're doing. Right. And so the having the bindable base and the all that kind of stuff makes it easy. We could bind to data sets, though, in 2003. But and it co-gens massive quantities of code? Yeah, yeah, that was that point. The thing that uh, I, I seem to not like about binding is all the little UI weird stuff. You know, when the UI is bound to the objects and the objects change and things just happen, you know? And sometimes if you don't want them to happen, you have to unbind, do your thing. You know what I mean? Has yeah. that gotten any better? From everything that I've worked with so far, I have been really happy with the way that the UI the way it binding, interprets the events. Yes, it um, seems to work really well. I haven't actually deployed my 2005 app yet, but you, um, you never know until it's in the hands of the users and they're banging on it. Exactly. Is the big change here that this stuff's just a little less black box now? We can see what's going on and we know why things work the way they do. For object binding, yes. Yeah. Because it's you know basically your code that it's running and it's generating very little background code. Not a lot of surprises there. Right. But the data set binding still does generate. Roger Jennings just wrote an article um, recently that showed like 2,500 lines of code gets generated for just one form if you have a couple of grids on it. And I just wow. don't like code gen that they're genning and I have to deal with maintaining. And what if I need to add a field to a table? And yuck. Now, are you are using any third-party tools for code generation this time around? Or? No. Yep. I'm just writing my um, own properties on my business objects. Yep. And everything is, is grand. I have created some snippets to help hook all the extra binding code in yeah. um, into the properties of the business object. But other than that... I haven't needed anything. So what's new with you? Are you doing a new book? Um, I am working on doing objects in visualbasic.net. Great. Um, or in Visual Basic 2003, 5, whatever five, it three, is. 5, 3, whatever. One yeah. of those versions. One of those versions. <laughs> yeah, no. 2005. So hopefully that will be coming out Any co-authors? Are you doing it all yourself? Oh, I just like to do it myself. I like that. I like a single author book. You've done a lot of those around these days. Yeah. It makes it more consistent, I think. So, you know, there's been some people complaining on the blogs in the last couple of days about obscure problems with Visual Studio and amplifying them. How, you've been working with this thing for a long time. What do you think? I think it has issues, to really? be honest. Yes. So what are they? Well, I'm still running the RTM, but it seems like I'm still running into more problems than I would have expected. I haven't put the final version on yet, so I'm hoping a lot of them are fixed. Are you Plus, running in a... I'm running under a VPC. You're running in a virtual PC. So I don't know how many of those are VPC. So I really right. don't want to start, you know, blogging stuff or listing stuff until you I You really actually... got to test carefully. And right. I, I just have to wonder how many people are running into issues where they're installing over betas and things. And you just don't know what the state of the bits actually are. Right. And a lot of people didn't want to do VPCs just because it's so painfully slow. Yeah, it can be slow. But um, there's just really no other right. option, I don't think, because you just can't get it all off of there. Well, exactly. You know, it used to be when I got beta disks, I looked around my office and said, which computer do I like the least? Because I'm about to break it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So at least VPC is there such that it is so that right. you can make it go and it's slow and it... But everything's slower in a VPC. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting 
team suite and getting it on a real system and actually making it go. And then I'll see if I still have any reliability. I actually, I'm hoping I don't. I actually installed the release candidate on uh, or the RTM on my laptop, you know, with no betas underneath. And it's fast. It's wonderful. I'm loving it. I'm, it's I think it's fine. the best the best IDE that I've ever seen. Excellent. Yeah. I, yeah, I love the IDE. That was the only little disappointment of this conference is it didn't really show off enough of the absolutely fabulous new IDE things. Right. Uh, I think they could have done a whole love, hour and a half session just on Visual Studio IDE fun things. I love just being able to hover over an object and then break down into its arch- you know, into its structure right there in the IDE. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And little even just things little like things that. like Alt-Tab. Right, right. <laughs> Not having to go move your mouse to click the tabs on the top. So, so cool. So many cool little things. Yeah. Snippets, I love those. Yeah. So uh, you got anything to plug besides your new book coming out or anything uh, we else? We do consulting, so that's always a good thing to plug if people are interested Where can in we reach having you? some additional assistance. Our website is um, www.insteptech.com. Great. So and I hear business is picking up because uh, everybody's interested in all this new stuff. And VS 2005, yes. Fabulous. Deb, it's great to uh, catch up with you here. And hey, look, we made it through the line. Yeah, now it's time to eat. (laughs) Great great to talk to you, Deb. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. You bet. So that sound in the background is Cheap Trick, Richard. I don't know. You, you're you not a big Cheap Trick fan? Oh, you know, they all look a little older now, now don't uh, they? I was, I'm, I'm wondering, what's going through their mind as they're up there on the stage? And I'm thinking, what the f*** are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, geeks everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're here with Eddie Riccio, who's a big fan of the show. Hi, of course. Eddie. Hey, how you doing, Carl and Rick? Doing good. Now, so... You used to write the show a lot. We used to mention your name and read your emails and stuff. And yeah, he sort yeah, of like stopped absolutely. writing. And <laughs> yeah. write. you never write. You never call. Where'd you go? <laughs> and then some other guy like got mentioned a couple of times, and he was like rubbing it in your face. Yeah, right? I, I think I think he wrote in. It's like, oh, Carl, believe it or not, I I believe I hold the record for the most mentions in your show or something like that. All right, so let's put that to rest right now. Eddie Riccio, 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 Eddie Riccio. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I don't think I've written since Rich is on board here. So. So, uh, so you've been having a good time. You're actually exhibiting oh. here at the launch, right? Yeah, uh, the coding for fun uh, crew brought us up, and uh, they they provided a booth for the finalizer. And if you've Jonathan well, you know Goodyear, he's yeah, an RD down in absolutely. Florida, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and we didn't get ID. to go to Orlando because of Wilma, so this is right, sort of the closest right, we can right. do. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> didn't, we didn't want the RV to fly off, you know. <laughs> you know, think you know that's the first thing they evacuated the the mobile home. So obviously, you know. So Eddie, tell us about you and what you do. Um, I write code all the time, 24-7. Yeah. That's why I can't write anymore. You are a true coding slave, possibly? <laughs> Pretty much a monkey, yeah, just a coding monkey. So now, we, do, we do consulting, so uh, I work on, on different kinds of projects. Uh, uh, I don't know if you mentioned the company ASP Soft. It's a misnomer that we just do ASP. Obviously, we do ASP.net. Okay. We do tons of Windows forms, that kind right. of thing. So, so, so what, what's, what kind of programs do you like writing the most? Uh... 
as far as uh, technology-wise, yeah. Windows Forms. Windows yeah. Forms. Yeah. And as you probably remember, we had the whole discussion with Rocky about business objects. So in the middle layer, I prefer business objects as opposed to right. your favorite data sets. So that's no, just not my favorite necessarily. It's well, just terribly convenient. No, you know, no, when you I, need I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, so now that you've had a chance to play with the Windows Form, Windows Forms stuff in Visual Studio 2005, right? What do you think? Oh man, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, they they're providing some neater controls. Obviously, the grid view is a lot. You can hook in. Uh, I've done like some GDI Plus uh, work yeah. before. Like you guys know the Outlook pop-up thing, the little gradient that yeah. fades in and out. Right. I actually wrote a clone all in managed code. You can cool. download it. It looks exactly the same. So That's cool. I like that. So with the grid, you can actually Whoa, plug in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> At you, a point. Uh, <laughs> no, no. It didn't look exactly the same. No, no. <laughs> no, no. Okay. It was a couple pixels off. Couple right, pixels you're right. off. Okay. You're, right, you're right. Absolutely. No, so, so uh, yeah, the grid view, as you were saying, yeah. one of the biggest problems with the grid, as you probably know, is you can't put anything but text boxes and check <laughs> right, boxes right, in right, it. Right. So now with the grid view, you can put a yeah. drop-down list, you can put yep. anything in there yep. in a cell. And, and some of the design patterns they're using and the way you can hook in, as in rendering the row or the columns, are really neat. So they really provide, like, even with the tool, uh, with the tool strip, I right. believe that's the name, not the toolbar, but the tool strip. You can really provide your own renders, so that's even a neat pattern to override the drawing and kind of right own as opposed to what you had to do was sort of inherit from a text box or something and then yeah. do all the drawing yeah. over that, yeah. which really, really kind of stinks. Yeah. 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 So what else? Is, what's what's new for you guys? What do you? What's new for ASPSoft or yeah, for or, me or, or you or whatever? Um, well, you know, one of the things I think I was mentioning to you the other night is that the Let's Router uh, component. Yeah. You know, I I haven't emailed Lutz, but Tell I'll be us about meaning that. to. Okay. Um, so if you guys remember from the Win32 times, there's the rebar control yes. that basically IE and Explorer use, yeah. right? And Windows Forms doesn't provide a wrapper because they provide a wrapper for the toolbar, but that's the the note the notepad toolbar. So uh, Lutz has uh, he started an implementation of it, which he uses on Reflector, the little eye yeah. kind of look alike. Lutz Rotor, the author of Reflector, yeah. Reflector, absolutely. So uh, so I kind of extended it, and uh, and and I was talking to an Adobe guy earlier today at the conference, and he was talking about how he's got to write all this uh, graphic card specific code, and I was like, oh. you know, .NET, and I said, well, I've done some win some really PM books, so it's really C sharp that looks a lot like Win32 code, right, right. And I said, you know, once you get your mind around to it, it's not that bad. Right. But the really the thing that kind of dawned upon me, the epiphany I reached, once I was done ex enhancing Lutz's command bar, that's what yeah. it's called, I realized I had hundreds and hundreds of lines of code. And I realized that if this was a .NET component, it would have just been like five lines of code. Right. Or like a, a really long method, you know. So, uh, you know, .NET definitely rocks. Yes, it does. No, I'm yeah. all over that, man. Yeah. You never... This is a question I like to throw out of left field was, you know, and this seems like a good answer to it. You you get a spec and you're, you know, thinking of how it's going to work and things that you think are going to take a really long time after some investigation turn out to be three lines of code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, also, uh, we, we've done some remoting for some of our clients. Yeah. And... Uh, and you know, I know you're a big fan of remoting, and it always dawns upon me how the marketing is so off with like remoting so hard, so difficult. You know, it's web config. Right. You can completely configure it all in the web config. You don't have to write the code. I mean, isn't that when Indigo's promising you completely right. config? Right. You know, uh, obviously they have like the best practices of 
enterprise services yeah. and web services. But really, remoting, man, it's such an awesome technology. Yeah, I love is, it. It I is very it. cool. Yeah. It's very cool. You know, the thing, the thing that you need to say about remoting in this day and age is that it, it serves a purpose, right? Yeah. Especially in process, yeah. app domain to app domain, right? Yeah. And, uh, and not, in distributed not, systems as well. I right, mean. and not a replacement across the board for web services, and it doesn't really have a future. Yeah. Except to you know, it's not going any. It's not we're not getting remoting 2.0. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but you know, it, it really isn't going anywhere either. I've seen great Java interop wrappers for .NET remoting too. So just because it's not stylish doesn't mean it isn't functional, even across different spaces. Right. Just because it's not getting an update doesn't mean it doesn't work already. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. good. Well, it's good to talk to you. Good all right, to see likewise. you. That's nice to see you guys. Weird. We had to come all the way to San Francisco to get yeah. an Orlando guy <laughs> to talk to us, but that's okay. All right. Cool deal. Well, look right. forward to listening to some more shows and keep up the good work. Uh, Eddie Riccio, Eddie Riccio, Eddie Riccio, <laughs> Eddie Riccio, Eddie Riccio. <laughs> all right. All right see you later. All right. Thanks. Who should we catch right as we're walking out the door with Jay Rocks? Hi, Jay. Hey, Carl. Hey, Richard. How's it going? All is well, man. It's been a good day. So it I has per- indeed. I personally like to thank you for helping us out with the uh, .NET Rocks road trip. Well, I think the road trip was a great thing. I think you guys spread a lot of love around the country on that one. Thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. And again, I really appreciate your support and the VB team and the rest of Microsoft. So we're here with Cheap Trick in the background. Uh, you did a talk today. I did. I did the, the smart client talk as a part of the dev track. So what's what's what do people expect to see if they come out to a launch event in the smart client track? Well, I think it the launch has been a great event and we're going to be doing this repeating a lot of this content in a number of cities worldwide. Yeah. And so there's been everything from how to build web apps to how to build client apps to how to take advantage of your team system mm-hmm. in the developer track and then a lot of stuff in the data track as well. Yeah. Excellent. What's the highlight for you of this whole launch? Besides now, I know it's the end of the day. Going home is probably high on your priority list. but I think the highlight is just the fact that we've taken a product that we've all been working on for a very long time and launched it and made it available to people. And the feedback that I've gotten from customers has been great. It's got to feel good to finally deliver after all this time. You know, it's been a real high for not only those of us that got to go to the launch, but for the teams back in Redmond that were watching this remotely as well. Yeah, no doubt. And and now, you know, our tour is wrapping up. Yours is just starting. There's all these dates coming up for uh, for talking about uh, Studio 2005. This is going to be one of the large... This is the largest developer launch, and it's a tremendously large launch that will touch over 100,000 people. And all, a lot of cities. I mean, all over the world, there's yes. going to be shows. Um, both through... Um, Microsoft presenting directly, but also through Ineta groups and others representing this content. Yeah, and there, as a, yeah, that's what we just said. You know, a lot of RDs, a lot of MVPs, mm-hmm. a lot of local people, user group people. I imagine both of you will be involved in at least one of the launch events. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm missing my launch event to do another show, but you know, we did the road trip. We've done a lot of talking about Studio 2005. You guys have done a lot of work towards this launch. And man, we're tired now. We're ready to go. Well, I think you've got, what, one more stop in Vegas and then it's Homeward Bound? That's it. Yeah. 
And that's going to be fun. You know, Vegas is going to be Dev Connections. Yep. Relaxing show. You know, great content. Great place. Looking forward to going through the Star Trek uh, show there. Awesome. What's next for you? Are you going to be stuck with the launch for a while now, or are you working on the next version? Um, I think I'm working on, well, obviously there will be a lot of launch events. We're looking at some of the visual basic stuff we're going to do over the next year. But we're also starting to very much look forward to Orcus and figure out what are the things we're going to put in there. We got a taste of Orcus at the PDC. I guess more of the same is coming? You got Well, at the PDC, you got a taste of some of the stuff that we know is coming in the future. We right. don't know what of that will be in Orcus and what of that will be in a future version yet. But I think a lot of the link, the language integrated query stuff, is something we're very excited about. And you right. should expect to hear a lot more about coming forward. Yeah, we've been we've been getting a lot of excitement around Link. The biggest feat, the biggest complaint about Link is we don't have it now, right? <laughs> it's so good. I, you know, I we want it. Whenever I hear that complaint about a feature, I know we're doing the right job thing. done. So yeah, this, it's not that often you get a product that's that hot. It's like alphabets, alphabets. Can I ship them? Can I? Huh? Can I use them, please? Mm-hmm. It, but, it was a lot of fun talking to customers about Link at the PDC. Well, we're wild about Link. I expect to hear a lot more about it going forward. Yeah, you bet. It's it's stellar. Absolutely amazing technology. What a great idea. Well, glad you guys like it, and hopefully you're. You and everybody else listening to the show is going to continue to give us feedback on it. Yes, we certainly will. Jay, thanks again for all your support, all your help. You're, thanks you, very much, You guys. are the rock stars to us. So. Well, no, I appreciate you guys going out on the road and spreading no, a you lot demand. of the... No, you the man. <laughs> no, you the man. All right. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. The .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2005 Road Trip is made possible by Microsoft, without whom this whole road trip thing is a complete waste of time. And by Inner Workings, helping developers reach their full potential. Online at www.innerworkings.com And by Telerik, providing innovative ASP.NET web controls, such as the RAD Control Suite. Online at www.telerik.com and by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. And by Developer Express, makers of Code Rush, Refactor, and many other first-class .NET developer tools. Online at www.devexpress.com. Support is also provided by Singular, who encourages you to check out their developer center online at developer.singular.com. Time on, let me-